Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah, today is a new day. Let's season now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, share my story with you. Inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live. I keep episodes on replay. Hey, Real 45. Yeah, Real 45. Show them how we do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real 45 Podcast, and this is our episode number 17. And thanks to Titans of Dirt, and be sure to follow and like their Facebook and social media. The true friend and definitely a freak of nature, longtime pal of mine. Welcome to the office. Actually, I should probably be saying thanks for letting me come to your office, uh, Mr. Kelly Killer Inman. <laughs> it's uh, I'm stoked. It's an honor to have you here, and likewise, it's uh, it's an honor just to, <laughs> to have this opportunity. The podcast has been growing and and getting bigger and better, and uh, as it is now, my partner in crime here. I keep calling you my partner in crime, but <laughs> should I should I just forget that, Stefan? Nah, isn't that how it is? He's like the lion tamer. He is. <laughs> At the circus. <laughs> At the circus. <laughs> Does that mean he has a whip? <laughs> I do. Uh, so I heard. <laughs> it sounds cool. It's, it's cool to get into you, Kelly. I'm sorry? It's cool to get into you. Yeah, uh, yeah well, it, it could get scary too i think maybe yeah. <laughs> it's fun we it, it's been uh, uh a great time with uh greg for many many years in speedway and away from the track yeah i can see that i i heard that, that uh, greg called you killer inman or high inman i even googled what is that <laughs> Uh, yeah, what is that, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain it? Hi, it's a rumor. <laughs> hi. <laughs> He's really the, friendly. He always says hi to people and stuff. The, the killer part came from, I, I don't even know, but racing it like Carlsbad and stuff where I would end up riding through a few guys. <laughs> so probably like, I think Scott Delosio, one of the, the very well-known photographers here, uh, uh, started calling me that right off the bat. Uh, so that kind of stuck. So <laughs> <laughs> you were a bad guy then. <laughs> no, not at all. It's just because I couldn't make the turn in the first corner many times. <laughs> so basically, I mean, in these, in this era that we have now in speedway, we have air fences, but Kelly, Kelly just used his, his fellow competitors instead of hitting the fence. He just, <laughs> Gonna use them to slow down her. Quite a few times, I would say. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad, but anyway, I think the the killer parts. It's just he's been killer for many many years. But you know, we have to be politically correct, so it's kind of sounds weird these days to call them killer in front of people in front of kids and stuff. They're going what? Yeah, especially <laughs> with doing so much stuff with the kids, the junior program and youth programs and speedway and all that. That that uh, yeah. That didn't go real well. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's really good with the kids. That's um, hashtag killer. So that's when, <laughs> when, when you run over people like that, and then just to be polite or something, you're just going, 
Hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, pretty much it. <laughs> that, that came from Uncle Bill Hancock. <laughs> oh, in case you uh, didn't see me coming. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't. I didn't run into everybody. I got run into quite a bit too. <laughs> ah, that's that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, you have to. If you're going to give it, you got to take it, right? So, yeah, you just got to roll with it. So, dude, if you look back and you think, like, how old? How old are we? Now, uh, it's only a number. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was trying to literally think, think back how old we were. There's two age, there's two years difference in us in age, right? Yeah. But was I about 10? Uh, yeah, nine, 10, as I was, um, yeah, I was right there about 11. I, I remember so it's even that. I mean, I just got started then. So yeah, you were in your woods, Marine leathers and, yeah, so and, uh, <laughs> and in full, right when you moved to Costa Mesa, um, and I rode to, I remember riding to Fullerton on my bicycle at that age. And I think if I remember right, Sandy Corey was like, Oh my God, you need some food. You need, you rode all that way. I got to take you home. You rode from Costa Mesa to Fullerton? Yeah to see all you guys. And Dave was with like Ronnie, Corey and them. Oh my um, gosh. Uh, and then a, you guys had moved to, uh, on St. Clair in Costa Mesa. To put that into perspective on his bicycle, he must've ridden like, it's about 15, 15 miles, right. um, wow. uh, at 11, you know, years old, something like that, which I would never allow. I wouldn't even let my 14 year old, 15 year old do it right now. Even with the helmet on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Helmets where you didn't wear a helmet back then. Otherwise, you would have been looked down on. No. <laughs> so that's cool. Not at all. How did you guys met then? How did you get together? Speedway. We were drifters. Pretty much. Oh, you just met on the, on the track. <laughs> no, actually, I was already... Uh, I was going to Speedway. I've been going to Speedway every... Uh, every year since it opened at Costa Mesa. Um, uh, so I've been every year my whole life and watching the juniors, um, the original juniors were like Lance King and Mike Bloom and, and Kasuth and the Morans and stuff like that. Uh, I remember, and, and Bruce and these guys, um, Scott Webb, I think. Oh man, this is um, Kelly's pulling out some names that, that are yeah you don't hear very often it's pretty cool oh yeah wow. there's um this is the the really the early 70s um and then uh my mom and dad were taking me all the time and and then we had uh a guy gene woods moved in across the street from me um uh, and he pretty much started taking me every night my dad was driving a truck and on the road all the time and so i went to the races with him and ended up, uh, just being around everybody. I mean, I, I've got, uh, I've got photos. Well, I had some photos of me at a year or two years old at the nationals with like Sonny Nutter and, uh, Mike Conley and, um, uh, Rick Woods, um, at the time, quite a few. Uh, it's hard to remember all the names now, huh? Cause you're thinking, as soon as we finish recording this, you're going to go, Oh man, this guy and that guy. And there's so many rad, I mean, uh, legends from that period that was just a part of our regular Friday nights. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can barely remember which streets I took to work this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You have autopilot in your truck, though. Just about. (laughs) So, yeah, it just... um, Greg and several other of the kids that uh, actually were all still real close, but a lot of them uh, uh, were sponsored by a, a shop wood, Woods Marine and um, everybody would be down there. Or we'd see each other at the track and just kind of when he was in Costa Mesa, then it, we just got hooked up and, and didn't separate until he skipped town and moved to England. <laughs> <laughs> And eventually met you. So oh, exactly in the end. <laughs> in the end, it's not the end. We're just getting no. started. What are you talking about? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, like Kelly and I at that time. Now, I mean, when I think of when we first met, I just remember it was bicycles. Yeah, pretty much constantly because I mean that was our only form of transportation. We were all too young to drive and all that stuff. So everything we did was on a bicycle. We were riding between, I don't remember riding all the way down to Fullerton like that, but uh, looking at it this way, I remember riding out to Irvine to go to the BMX tracks. I remember riding easily from Balboa Island to Costa Mesa, which isn't really that far uh, on my But at age. that age, but at it's that, a long way. Yeah, and we were, you know, on a Friday night, if we weren't in school major in the summer, we'd go from Balboa Island, we'd leave it. I don't remember what time, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon or, or four in the afternoon. And we would ride our bicycles up to Costa Mesa, which was, what is it? Three, four miles. Oh, e- easy. Maybe yeah. five miles and uh, get there. And then we'd suit up, go racing. And we'd take our stuff back off after the races and rip around. Usually I don't think we rode home after the races. We nah, probably, no, we probably got a ride from our parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, Kelly was the king. We always, we always talk about this today, but I have to say he was the king of the wheelies. The, we were always having wheelie contests forever and who could ride the farthest, who could do the best wheelie. And Kelly was the guy, he could ride in circles. We'd have contests to see how many circles you could do in the streets. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, to ride a wheelie one is one thing, but to go in a circle and you have to steer it and then, you know, your circles become bigger and bigger and bigger and, and, and faster uh, and faster. <laughs> and, uh, Kelly was the bomb, you know, and then I see even today, his son, Dane is, he rides the wheelies, stand-up wheelies on a bicycle better than anybody I've ever seen as like long, far, you know, with style. And he makes it look like it's just, it's just a walk in the park. And it's hard to stand up and ride a wheelie. That's a craziest. Yeah, it is difficult. I've always told him, hey, sit down. You'll be able to ride for days. Yeah. And he just stands up and rides for days. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that kid on M- on Andy Sunday, the opening credits on the little stingray. He's standing up and just pedaling his ass off. That's cool. Kelly, do you have it in you today? Can you still do a wheelie? Uh, No, I don't. I don't ride bicycles anymore. I just I put around and and uh, And paint them instead. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, No, I uh, I can't. I got a cruiser to to ride around the the racetrack a year ago year and a half ago and my kid just started riding it um he just turned 15 he's been riding it to school and back and just like a week or two ago i asked him hey do you ride my bike to to school yeah and i i can wheelie the thing (laughs) there is no way i can't even wheelie it you know it's just set up a little bit different he goes oh yeah come on out watch so yeah i had to go out front and he put me to shame (laughs) we had a big cruiser he 
you know, barely reach the ground on. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure I could get back into it and, um, which I probably should just to get fit, but yeah, I haven't done it in, in many moons. That's right. Many That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do it Dane style, you get fit for sure. Standing up to do it. <laughs> Go out and do it on the dirt bikes in the desert. Way more easy. That's still fun. Yeah. <laughs> Long <laughs> electric start. <laughs> uh, that's cool. How about your family? Wife, kids? Yeah, I've got an awesome wife um, that I actually met at Speedway. Um, she locked her eyes on me at, like, <laughs> at Long Beach during one of the um, either it could have been a World Team Cup or a Spring Classic or something. And, and uh, we dated for a while, Lisa. And, and then we, um, we, we split up because of some, some stupid part on my, my behalf. And uh, um, she was friends with, with one of my best friends' um, wives. And I would go out to uh, his house and stay the night. She would stay the night. And we wouldn't even speak two words to each other. Or I wouldn't say anything to her. And then we, <laughs> we um, met up again. And, and uh, we got married the night before Halloween uh, what, uh, nine, almost 19 years, um, 18 wow. years in October, uh, got married at a cemetery the night before and had a, <laughs> had a great wedding. And, and now, and we have a 15 year old son, Dane. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my mom and dad were heavily involved in Speedway. Uh, my dad sold parts, uh, uh, in the pits for many years. Um, he was a mechanic for a guy here, Alan Christian. Um, and he, he helped many, many people, uh, besides me when I was riding and my mom worked the pits as like a pit steward, um, all the way from like the LA world final at the Coliseum. Um, she was, a she was working the pits there and she worked until, just about four, four or five years ago when she started getting real sick. Oh, so it's been great. That's cool. But I, I'm a bit curious. Why did you marriage the night before Halloween? In <laughs> <laughs> a cemetery. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. How cool is that? <laughs> um, just, uh, Lisa and myself, it's, it's, um, it's just an awesome holiday Halloween. We, we both have the same taste and so much stuff and, and Halloween is just a, uh, it's, it probably is our favorite time of year. Um, uh, just the whole theme of it. And, um, yeah, we just wanted something different and, and that fit us perfect. And it was absolutely amazing. It was a great one. But what what did you wear? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I wore a black and red zoot suit, which um, real popular. What is that? Uh, it's a suit that was popular, like in the I don't know fifties, sixties, kind of real. Gangster. Uh, yeah, uh, um, <laughs> like the gangster Chicano kind of lifestyle, Mafia. real tall pants that were real high up on your waist, um, a long coat, uh, wow. big hat, um, 
pretty cool one. You'll, you'll see pictures of it. Um, and Lisa wore a, an amazing, uh, white wedding dress and we, we there, were going to have some tradition to it. She wore a nice white wedding dress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, and we were going to have everybody in our wedding. Originally they were going to dress up, um, uh, with the Halloween theme. Um, but we couldn't dress up or do pictures, uh, in costume at the cemetery in respect to, uh, everybody that's there. Um, and it's a very old cemetery here, uh, in Santa Ana that we, we got married at, um, so it was just really cool stone, you know, it was built in the late 1800s and it just went perfect with the theme, you know? Uh, and uh, yeah, everything else was pretty standard. Our, our wedding cake topper was a cool little bride and groom. Um, and I think the, the groom has his tongue down her throat and like you can see it through the ribs and stuff. <laughs> uh, we're uh but we're perfect for each other it's it's been awesome that's for sure the two of them definitely bounce off each other and you can see that i mean if you see them together it's and and the their sense of humor and their personalities it it's just you know kelly as we i referred to him even in our title here a freak of nature and and, uh he's rad because he's got such a i don't even know how to explain it really he's just kelly you know he's just he's always happy and he's got uh, some rad ideas or, um, you know, for design, for characters, for, for, for blood and guts and, <laughs> you know, racing, he's got a little bit of everything. And even when he was a kid, I mean, right up to today, the guy can, he's an artist, he can draw, he can paint, he, uh, he can color, he can do all kinds of rad stuff. And the, the, the designs and the caricatures that he used to do when we were kids were so, so awesome. We just wanted to give him a piece of paper and he'd sit there and he'd start drawing. His tongue would be hanging out and he would do something <laughs> up in a couple of minutes. And, and you got this, this rad picture of yourself or of something just, Kelly, can you just do this? Yeah, no problem. Boom, boom, and do it up. And you're just like, oh, gnarly, you know? <laughs> and, um, and his wife is right there with him and he could just do something. It would be so <laughs> disgusting and like, oh, no way. So you go, that's cool, honey. <laughs> you know? it's just they're uh they're made for each other and uh that's yeah. cool because when i was in california we we met for like five minutes or ten minutes or something and yeah and i just yeah, i, I just told uh greg that the feeling when i when i met you guys it was like you i know you before it's like you just had this uh era how do you say aura aura aura, aura. Yeah. aura yeah around you it's, it's like you're so nice people. You just want to know you more. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. I, well, I'm very lucky that, that, uh, she's stuck with me because <laughs> I wouldn't find another one like her. She supports everything that I do, uh, uh, in Speedway. She is part of industry racing, which I promote and, um, and I couldn't do it without her help. She is, uh, she is something else. And, uh, did you yeah. say she's stuck with you or she's stuck with you? She has stuck with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm just lucky. Uh, I'd, I'd never find another one like her. That's for sure. And we have an awesome son that, that uh, he has, um, like Lisa said, I've met my match. He, um, he pops up off with some comments and he's a practical joker and he, 
he, he scares the crap out of us. Um, and he's, he, he gets me every, every chance that he can, you know, I can't <laughs> let my guard down. That's for sure. Um, so it's, uh, we love it too. Cause like Kelly, he's, he's scared the crap out of all of us periodically numerous times over the years since we first met him, you know, and he's a hard guy to scare. So, and you got, you, you know, when you think you've got him, there's no way he's ready for everything. So his, <laughs> and it's pretty bitching because his kid literally is a mini me with all of the above. He is hilarious. He's got the same sense of humor. You know, it, it's, it is funny. Yeah. He met the match, but. His Go tongue on. even sticks out when he's concentrating on some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. <laughs> hey, Are you ready for everything? <laughs> Lost sight of Stefan. What's going on? He's getting a little excited over there. Yeah. <laughs> I have a haunting time. A hard time over here. <laughs> yeah, really hard time. <laughs> oh. Anyway, if you. One thing I do remember about Lisa too. One thing, and Kelly and Kelly and Lisa, you know, like everything, we all go through through uh, good, tough times and good times and all that. I remember Lisa making a comment one time saying, "Well, you know, Kelly Speedway is kind of like the other woman," and I never <laughs> forgot that. Like that's right. I mean, this guy puts he does so much for so many people. This is Kelly in a nutshell, you know, and he just never says no. He's always there, and it's like. Speedway, he has, like all of us, there's so much Speedway in life and always there, never says no to anything and always there to help the Speedway people. So uh, to go with that, that's that's part of the thing with their relationship too. And with any with my relationship with my wife too, it's Speedway is the other woman. It really is. And you've got to like uh, find a way to juggle them so that you don't overdo it and you don't, you know, you, you always want to keep everybody happy, but there's so much love and so much respect for this damn sport that we seem to go out of our way. And sometimes we have to slap ourselves and bring ourselves back and realize there's more to life than, than just Speedway. So uh, it's, again, it's, it's rad. And, and, you know, farther into this episode here, we'll talk more about the Speedway world, but uh, Kelly is, he's a pillar in the sport, let alone an icon. So uh, if we, if we look at, he even raced Speedway. <laughs> oh, did? How, how did you start? How did you get involved in, spe in Speedway from the beginning? Uh, well, like I said, I've been going um, uh, now for 40, 49 years since I'm 49. <laughs> uh, and um, I actually, my dad bought me a junior bike and um, I toyed around on that, but you know, and I was probably 13 or 14 and never raced it. Um, actually ended up getting on a 500 a little bit early and just started learning, learning the game. And, uh, when I started riding, when I was 16, uh, there was, uh, and still first, second, third division, but there was a huge amount of riders when I was riding and it was so difficult to get on the program, to be able to race, um, whether you're Costa Mesa or San Bernardino or Victorville or Ascot, anything like that. And if you didn't do well, you couldn't race the following week. And some, sometimes it took weeks, several weeks to even get back on the program. And, and, uh, all of us, we'd go there and sign up as a backgate reserve and they would draw names and see who could be, 
pay to be a reserve rider if you wanted to just sit in the pits and possibly get a chance to ride. Um, uh, it, it was, it was insane. There was, uh, in the eighties, I think the rider list, um, there's 400 numbers on the list and there was probably 300 plus, uh, names filled out, you know, I mean, in division one, we had, we had a solid, probably, I don't even know, about 40, 45 guys that were, that were solid D one guys. It's, it's way different. Um, now, uh, we don't have that. Um, but hopefully in the years to come, um, you know, it, it'll happen. Uh, so I rode until, uh, 89 and I, I had a pretty bad crash at Ascot and ended up with several surgeries on my legs and, or one leg and, uh, uh, um, yeah, ended up dealing with that. So that's the last time I rode a bike. And from that point I started sponsoring a few riders, um, and I was a mechanic for several years, uh, for some of the guys here, uh, a guy, Scotty Brandt that came from up North and he was just a ripper of a junior totally. and he was too young to ride big bikes when he moved down here. Um, uh, he was helping me out when I was riding. Uh, and then I eventually pitted for him for, for many years, um, and we still have a great, uh, a great true friendship. Um, uh, and then helped, I've helped a lot of guys, um, as a mechanic and I, and I helped Greg here then. Um, and even when he's come back, uh, for national rounds or anything like that. And it's just kind of blossomed into what I'm currently doing. To say the least. But mm-hmm. Kelly, even in his racing days, like being the freak of nature that he was, he he always did things in a different way. He was an artist. He was a painter too. He did a lot of of uh, uh, custom painting helmets, and we did shoes together. We did all kinds of rad stuff. But Kelly was he's a he's a true artist. But he had the most rad bright orange suit, which was back in his Gene Woods days, and then later had a the most gnarly pink bright. <laughs> Right. As you'll see probably some of our social media photos and stuff, we're talking pink as pink can be. And it was only Kelly besides Dwayne Pinky Blake. <laughs> that yeah, got it, away with that. His, his were a little, his were like kept up his small pink. So <laughs> I had neon uh, and I rocked it. It was good. It was a good time. Um, for sure. Did he just had that to get, because it was a nice color or was it? Because it was different. Yeah. It was different, you know. I was always doing stuff like that. When, like Greg said, <laughs> when I was uh, young, I was always drawing and painting, and and I'd be around the house. And I remember uh, at a real young age, I wanted his dad, Bill, was painting helmets for like Penhall and and Boogaloo and like all these people, and he painted custom vans and everything. And I just wanted a, a Bill Hancock custom painted helmet. <laughs> and he knew, um, uh, of my, uh, artistic talents and, and my desire to paint. And when I asked him, he said, yeah, bring your helmet over. And, uh, he took me into the garage and he's like, Hey, here's all the paints, do what you want. Here's my tape and here's my spray gun. And 
it's you're on your own. Uh, so, um, I, I painted my first one. I actually still have that at home up in one of the cabinets. You um, still have that? I do. Uh, and what it was, was some it? crazy awry helmet that I painted. And I started, Oh, we have to get that out. Uh, yeah. We need a photo of that. Maybe. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I actually painted for quite a while, um, custom helmets and Harleys and ended up doing helicopters. And I did it for a long time, um, real high end airbrushing. Uh, and, um, thankfully uncle Bill, um, showed me the way. And like Greg said, I had, uh, you know, John Cook had a camouflage, um, <laughs> duct tape camouflage XR 75 or something like that. Uh, um, and then had a camouflage suit and I wanted camouflage, but I did it in pinks, fluorescent <laughs> pink and fluorescent orange and, and tan and stuff like that on my bike. And, uh, so it was always something new and, and, uh, looking for something different all the time, you know, most people camouflage not to be seen. Oh yeah. No, that's, <laughs> mine looks like ice cream. <laughs> yeah it was a good time and you talk about paint like i said painting shoes i always come back to that i mean there was an era there when they one of the one of the uh, manufacturers came out with a a, a flex agent that you could add to the paint that would make the paint elastic and you could it would stretch and stuff like that you know within reason Mm -hmm. so I don't know how that all came about, but we started painting our Reeboks yeah. and our vans and you could paint with this stuff and it would, it would move. So you could walk around on the shoe and the paint wouldn't just crack and break off or anything like that. It would last for quite a while. It did. So, I mean, I mean, it was just painting started with one color and then it was like, you could make a design on the shoes and that became pretty out of control when your friends would come back. Hey man, can you paint my shoes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It was, it was something else. I was that kid in school that was always drawing on everything, my folders and books and anything that I could that would stand still long enough. You know, the, it was, peach, the peachy folder. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I alter quite a few of those. <laughs> Why did you stop? Uh, because I got real sick. Um, uh, I, I had gone to a doctor's appointment and I had a, um, I had a spot on my liver and, uh, which they said it was a, a non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver. And they couldn't tell me if it was from, um, painting, uh, uh, from, I would drink occasionally, you know, uh, weekends and, and weekdays, <laughs> um, not a lot. Occasionally, uh, weekends and weekdays, <laughs> like not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't an alcoholic or anything, but no, um, by no means. But the, the the issue I had with my liver, the doctor said that I needed to stop, and I literally um, I had to stop that day. Uh, and I was right in the middle of painting a helicopter for Kiss FM, one of the big radio stations here, and. Los Angeles. Um, so I had to get, uh, a couple of friends, um, to help finish that. I was painting for a guy named Dick Vale up in, uh, just a few miles from here. Actually, um, I was doing all his airbrush work. So I would, I didn't finish that job and, um, it's a bummer. I, I was able to do a lot of real high end work. I, I painted the, the bobsled for the U S Olympic 
um, team. Uh, I painted um, several helicopters for for Kiss FM, which were all Mountain Dew, Pepsi, uh, Crystal Pepsi. Um, painted for uh, uh, Marie Callender's restaurant. Painted their helicopter. Uh, painted speakers for Barbara Streisand for quite a while, all in leopard print. Uh, uh, this I didn't even know some of this. This is cool. This yeah, is- and it was just something I would actually, you know, when when I was working at my my regular job, the powder coating, uh, I would leave at at five o'clock and I'd go up to the paint shop and then I'd paint for six or eight hours. Um, uh, and then when we were getting married, that's what I did like every single day. So we paid for our wedding and honeymoon and everything was all paid for like two months ahead of our wedding. So it was kind of nice. Um, I miss it. There's a, there's a lot of stuff, um, big corporate design work and paint work that, um, I had a great time. I learned a lot from, from this gentleman and a, another good friend of mine, uh, named Brad King. That's a very, he's, he's locally world famous in pinstriping and hand lettering. Um, uh, he's the one that hooked me up with this company and, and, uh, it was, it, it was some amazing stuff and, and I'd like to get back into it, but health wise, I, I really can't be careful. Can you? Can yeah. you still do the the design work on paper or something and make someone else just paint it? Or yeah, I could. Sign I could do design work and and um, you know anything like that. Uh, but honestly, I just don't even have time anymore. Uh, <laughs> although I would I would love to. Uh, I don't have time. I full time job and uh, here and then with the racetrack is another full time job during the season and. And uh, I go for about five months solid on that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's, that's been a, a fun fun time. Yeah, that brings us in. What what do you do today? Or um, I have a powder coating uh, shop here in Huntington Beach. Um, powder coating is a type of paint finish. Uh, a lot of people don't know what it is basically it's it's a baked on very durable paint finish and it's it's on everything from car wheels all car wheels that if they're not chrome they're powder coated so silver wheels or black wheels or anything that you see are all powder coated a lot of the components on cars that are in color are all powder coated um, appliances bicycles patio furniture um we powder coat for, uh, SpaceX, um, uh, you know, for some of the big automotive manufacturers, some of the big race teams, um, in automotive and motorcycles and just about anything in the world that is in color is powder coated. Did you powder coat star man's Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but just we make did, it up. Just make it up. <laughs> we, we did do uh, a bunch of the bracketry and hardware and stuff that, that holds everything together and, and fitted the thing into the components. Wow. There you go. Right there. What is so the name of your company then? Specialized powder coating. You have a website where we can see you work, what it is. Yeah. Um, specialized coatings.com specialized powder coating.com. Um, we do powder and ceramic, like high performance exhaust coatings, high temperature stuff. Uh, 
they do stuff for me too and have done many of things over the years with uh with some of the ceramics and some of our performance products on the bike so uh, I don't, I don't think you should have told anybody. I don't want to that too many speed secrets, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was just to help to keep the. What is it like? Like uh, like Jeff Haywood says from Coast, I just want to help to get the smoke out faster. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But how does does this work with your health? Then is this isn't the same thing? Um, I don't. Uh, the the process is different than regular paintwork. It's a dry powder that's applied through a an electrostatic gun and baked on in an oven. Um, uh, and it's available in just about any finish and color that you can think of. Um, but I don't physically do the paintwork. Uh, I just point fingers <laughs> and try to make stuff happen every day and keep the front door open and customers happy. It's pretty good at it. That's cool. Yeah. So if, if I want to have my wheels painted in, in like a camouflage pink thing, you can do that. I could. Cool. Pretty good. If you could take your, your Apple computer apart too, he could probably make that thing really cool. I mean, in your line of work, you should have a, a camouflage pink, bright orange Apple computer. I mean, is, that, is it possible? Absolutely. We've, we've done consoles, computer uh, uh, housings for big gamers and, and some of the, the, the big companies that, provide these systems so we've done just exotic finishes and they have their lighting and you know lightning and thunder and all whatever they do you know but yeah just about anything it's just got to be able to withstand going into an oven at 400 degrees and then it can be powder coated really wow if not i i'd fake it and, you could probably powder coat you stefan oh yeah 400 degrees probably <laughs> for but a little while the mic will be different when we see each other next time. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good one. And then the high-performance coatings are uh, all ceramic-based finishes where we do internal engine parts for a lot of high-performance teams um, and a few teams that we – very successful teams in IndyCar, um, NASCAR engine builders uh, that provide for both of them. Um, even some of the, the big motocross companies, uh, teams. Um, so it's, it's very interesting, something different every day, you know, it is, it is pretty cool. And it's, you know, I mean, a lot of that stuff is, it has to be kind of well-kept secrets too. Huh? And people aren't supposed to, know, supposed to know too much, but it's pretty impressive when you, when you hear or see some of the work that they're doing down here and you see the, you know, Kelly doesn't have to say anything, but every once in a while I can see the tags on the side and who it's for. And you go, wow, <laughs> that's pretty rad. And what, you know, what are they doing that for? I can't say too much, but <laughs> can you do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, it, it, it's rad. It's, and their showroom is pretty impressive. I mean, Kelly's again, excuse me, his, his idea for design and, and how he does things. If you see the, their office and their showroom when you walk in down here you're gonna it's uh, it's like eye candy as you would say when you walk into a store and you got all that all that fresh lord as goodness as you guys say in sweden <laughs> your saturday candy it's pretty much like day candy here so it, it's it's really cool your, your mouth starts watering when you check it out so first impressions everything for a customer that's true yeah. that is true it worked for me anyway <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kelly and I, so we've, I mean, we've been friends for a long time, long, long time. Kelly's, I call him a true friend because he's, 
he's one of of um, a, a very uh, a few that have been able to make numerous trips to Europe between yourself, like Andy Johnson, Sean Dillo, guys like that. They have made so many trips to Europe. You know, when I decided to hop up and get out of here and go, go uh, chase a, a career of, of uh, dirt spraying and speedway riding and around the world. And uh, Kelly's one of those guys has made so many trips over to visit me, not just because, you know, he's a friend, but also to, to be a part of the sport, to see different parts of the world. But it was always around Speedway again, our other woman, you know. Yeah. And we've uh, we've shared some really good times. And that's that's the kind of the best part about it is it's like I can relate to so many things with this guy. And he would mechanic for me when I would come home and race national championships and and always there to lend a helping hand whenever it's needed. So uh, there's guys like, you know, he's been a part of my world championships. He showed up at, at uh, all except for the last one. He couldn't make it of course. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I'm ever forever grateful to have a, f- a friend like that. And uh, you know, there's been lots of guys that have showed up for, you know, Jesse and, and, uh, Absolutely. and, and, yeah. and nephew Brad, who's our SpaceX little space boy that we, That's uh, right. you know, we, we get pretty excited whenever there's something about SpaceX going on. So have you seen him since the launch? No, but I was having. He's in the he's in that little suit in the roadster right there, floating around. Oh, things! There was rumors that that was him. He was. So we I can't call him Starman. I, I think they were sizing him up for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my nephew. That's up in the Tesla cruising through orbit right now. Oh, cool! Yeah, it really, it is. Yeah, it's impressive, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about long distance relationship he's got right now, man. That's serious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Will he come back? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's the thing with Brad. We just never know. I no. mean, he doesn't like us right now because we keep dropping out all these things about him. And I know he got mad at my sister for talking about, you know, using wipes when he went to the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> so I wonder if he took his wipes with him on the, on the trip to Mars. Um, that's a good question. I, I assume he did. I assume he did. It was very important to him. So that's yeah. true. That's right. It just makes the that true. Aliens trip doesn't have wipes. They they need it. <laughs> what they do, they will now. <laughs> That's true. Gosh, Brad, I hope you're okay up there. Anyway, so <laughs> where were we? So for you, uh, Kelly. So wait, I keep running back all this. Our childhood went from so many things. I have to go back because I don't want to miss anything. But then again, this could go on for days and days. So yeah. And Kelly's pretty good to bring up memories, but. If you think about like our house during the speedway days, you know, that we used to we used to go between Kelly's house, hang out at his place, we go to our friends down in Balboa, the Busbees, and be down there. And then later we moved up to Costa Mesa. And my dad, my dad was always like the dude that I mean, even today we still look at my old man and go, <laughs> Kelly's dad was the same. Everybody is welcome at their house, you know. It doesn't matter who you are, we're all equal. And if they were there, if we were all at one place, at least the parents knew that, okay, we know they're okay. My dad knew I was there. His parents knew he was our place. Kelly was everywhere. He was, you know, he was <laughs> the freedom. But it was so cool because we could just go to dad's house and there was, we had a, we had a pretty good backyard there in, in Costa Mesa, a pretty good size for a while. It was, we had a racetrack in the backyard. We played badminton back there. We had a jacuzzi. It was also used for target practice and, and uh, with BB guns, you know, live. Several BB gun fights. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, back in the day, I mean, why wouldn't you have a BB gun fight in the back of the house with no safety glass or anything like that, you know? 
But if you were a sharp shooter, it didn't matter. You just hit where it needed to hurt. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you were like a wild kid. Uh, I don't know. I no, I just have fun. <laughs> but I remember those BB gun fights. I remember we even tried to set up some rules and stuff, and it would be like I remember Bobby Cody um, being there, and I would climb up onto the roof of the house and wait for this pillage to start and he'd run into the backyard and I would just unload a BB gun full of ammo. He's like a sniper on the roof. And yeah, I don't think he got hit very many times, but he sure hit a lot of people. And, oh. <laughs> and you would never get away with that anymore. No, you know, you wouldn't even talk about it openly. And fortunately, Bobby's still a friend, I think, right. Does he still talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, talked to him quite a bit of, about some of this stuff on, on Saturday and, and, uh, about the Gumball rally that's coming up, which Bobby Cody won the first, you know? So yeah, still a great friend. So many of the, the kids, uh, uh, we've had a lot of long friendships, you know? So it's awesome. Very lucky. Dude, we did, we did trips. I mean, from junior speedway days, right up to present, we did trips to New York with everybody. I mean, Kelly was, helping working a friend of Gene Woods, as we mentioned before too, Gene had a Gene Woods as some people in the speedway world, they won't remember Gene. He had a short career in, in England too, but was an iconic speeder rider here in, in Southern California. Or I should say the U S and the guy was the first way ahead of his time. I, I would say in building his own team, uh, Woods racing team, basically. And he had, a big gigantic box fan, you know, that motocross teams had for a lot of years, but Speedway, you didn't see that. Mm -mm. And Gene came up with this big box fan. He got sponsored by seven up, which everybody knows who seven up is. And he was in and out burger, yeah. which is a big fast food. Um, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't call it in and out fast food, right? I should just Not call really. it elegant top of the range. Yeah, it is. Hamburgers. Yeah. Only can, hamburgers. That's all you can buy. Hamburgers, fries, drinks, and shakes. That's it. And it's like a family-owned business. They're still primarily on on the, in California. They've only branched out in Arizona or Nevada or somewhere. So, yeah. But they haven't really gone out. But anyway, when they first came on the scene, so Gene had this big box fan painted up with his name, In-N-Out Burger. Logos. And yeah, logos. And I mean, he was done up this fan, and Kelly was, was helping him. I remember Kelly driving this thing, too, because he had the license before all of us, too. So he was he was a good guy to know. And uh it he gene would come he, he was like sampling he was giving away free product you could get vouchers or somewhere we could get a free food or get free drinks from him things like that back in the day when you know i mean today it's still hard to do that it's you know we have monster from for us now which is fantastic it's, it's super cool but to go back to that period of the early 80s or mid 80s or something when or maybe it was even before that right late 70s early 80s when gene had the uh, that was eighties. Yeah. Because that's, uh, I actually took my driver's test in that box van. Um, uh, of course that's right. I have to. Yeah. So that was, that was mid eighties. Um, you took your driver's test in the box van. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was impressive for the driving instructor to walk out with me and he was waiting for some little old thing, you know, and this custom painted race van was parked out there and, 
could barely get it in the parking lot so you know, gave, of the DMV. So you gave him a free double double and I can't seven up and he just signed you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we did the test, um, but he asked all about it, what it, what it was all about. So, uh, and, and I succeeded. Oh my gosh. Fortunately. <laughs> and then, like you said, yeah, I was the first one to have the license. So, um, that, and then I, my first car, um, I would drive everybody around. It was a, you know, the race fit. Uh, yeah. A Chevy Chevette. It's like one of the worst cars ever produced. And, <laughs> and, uh, I did everything I could to make it cool. And, and it never was, uh, had that for about a year. And then I actually ended up buying a, uh, little pickup, a Ford courier from Greg's brother, Dave Hancock. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we use that for many years going to the races and racing around town. And, and, uh, like you saying, with me getting my license first, uh, I remember going over to another, a great friend of ours, Brian Dagg had a, um, an early 1970s Honda Civic, like the real small one that freaking, it was custom. It was bright yellow, but it was lowered. And like, we just thought we were, you know, we were the thing, um, and we would just drive around town, just drive and drive and drive. Nowhere in particular, we would just drive. And every once in a while, I met, we would take it back and I'd park it and I'd throw Brian's keys in his, in his room. He lived up the street from Greg. And, and I remember him calling, hey, where'd you go? Uh, we just cruised around town, like probably went to Balboa Island and, you know, went to get a, a burger or something. And man you didn't cross any grass or lawns or anything, did you? No. He said, man, my wheel wells are so packed with mud and grass. I can't even turn the wheels on the car. (laughs) So there might've been a a golf course or a schoolyard or something that ended up getting some tracks in a few times. Uh, I remember Brian too. He just put brakes on that thing one time and he was so proud and I'll never ever. And I still use the term or the, the statement myself these days. He's like, Watch out, man. That thing will stop on a dime and give you five cents change. <laughs> That's Brian. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was good times. I, I was a, a chauffeur um, many a times. Oh, yeah. That's cool. He's still a chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> He's just driving everything. Oh, yeah. And it, even that during that period, I mean, we, we drove across the country to New York and did some racing back there in junior speedway days. And this is probably one of the most memorable trips ever <laughs> um, going back there. I mean, Kelly was back there too with Gene Woods and there was issues or, or should I say events with rental cars and you, know, <laughs> they have, you have to put every rental car to the test back in the day. I don't know if somebody was doing it. I'm not sure who it was, but there was uh, cars that were put up on bricks and they had their, you know, they, yeah, did, they did like a, was it a rev test or Maybe they were just checking to see if the, the, the transmissions were okay or something. Yeah, until they imploded or <laughs> <laughs> and rental cars back there. They had the quickest lap times on the speedway tracks. Right <laughs> <So I> here. <laughs> did, did you race anything else than speedway? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I raced, uh, I raced BMX, bicycle motocross, um, uh, did speedway, and then after that, I 
I started racing shifter go-karts, like 125 CC go-karts. Uh, um, and actually quite a bit in Holland and France, um, uh, for a company, um, that was based out of Italy. So I was flying over there and doing, um, these European events. Uh, and I, he was good at it. I, I was able to race the carts here in the States, um, as long as I was selling carts for them. So my racing was free, um, as long as I would sell carts. And at that time it was, it was pretty easy, um, to sell quite a few, any of my friends that were racers, uh, in anything, you put them in a shifter cart, um, at, on a practice track and they would, they would come back in and go, man, I got to figure out how to afford one of these. I want one. And at the time they were like $8,000 for a cart, you know, with a motor and everything. Um, uh, and, and I sold quite a few and was able to travel with this, this, uh, company out of Italy and, and, and did the European championships in at Le Mans in France. Um, and here in carts, you know, it's kind of Europe was so advanced in the, especially in the four wheel racing here, you get a couple of hundred guys racing their carts and it's their families that are with them, you know, no spectators or anything. And my first year, uh, in France at the European championships, probably in around 93 or 94, um, there's like 10,000 spectators at the track. I was absolutely in awe, you know, and these kids are born and bred in a go-kart seat. Um, and then I went from there and I, I raced sprint cars on asphalt and dirt. That's where you got your manlyhood. <laughs> That's some fun stuff. Uh, uh, raised micro sprints, um, like with Bobby Cody and Jim Fishback. And, uh, that was a, a small scale sprint car with a speedway motor, 600 CC speedway motor, um, raced, uh, cut some spec truck classes at Irwindale, raced one for, um, that Gene Woods had owned, uh, what was, what, what was a Spectra? Uh, spec truck. It was, uh, um, they still race them, uh, on asphalt and it's like a midsize, um, pickup truck, uh, mm -hmm. that is in a spec class. So their motors, everything are all sealed and all have to be very equal and the same. Uh, so it's just roundy round stuff, you know, um, cool. Dirt was much more fun. Cars, <laughs> uh, sprint cars, just like speedway, stomp and steer. How? Like seriously, though, I mean, to drive a sprint car, I have never driven one myself. And I keep talking to, I can't say keep talking. I've had a few conversations with Jeff Haywood about that too to try one. Maybe go to see Corey Cruzman. Yeah, something. but you've actually driven. You've raced them. What is that? Sick. They are man. They are something else. Um, uh, same exact theories as riding a speedway bike, you know, with, with the throttle, um, uh, riding on slick or riding in a deep cushion. Um, uh, when I got into the sprint cars, I never even went out and practiced or anything. We built the car and I went and my first race on dirt was at Paris auto speedway. Um, uh, and I qualified like 13th for the show and I, I never even drove. Um, but like I said, coming out of, uh, racing other stuff and then racing the bikes, it was the same thing. You just, uh, just gotta be, um, 
not be afraid of the thing tipping over and being sideways. And, um, it was like going slick track racing, but with a whole lot of horsepower, man. Wow. But like people, people say this too. And you got, when you've got that big ass roll cage and everything all around you, do you feel like you're invincible or you still, do you still feel like I can't trust this thing? Um, no, I, you feel, uh, um, not that you feel invincible, but if you, uh, I think if you were just getting into sprint cars or something and it's the only thing you've ever done, it is very intimidating. Um, uh, especially having to stomp on the throttle. Um, the things are made to go left, um, with the stagger and the wheels and everything. It's like speedway bikes made to go left. And the, the faster you go, the harder you ride them, the easier they are to, to ride or drive. It's the same thing with, with a sprint car. Um, and as long as you're comfortable with, with going that speed and, um, you know, near a wall and being sideways and you can feel the flex and the front wheels will come off the ground in the corner. And as long as you're comfortable with that, uh, you feel really good and stable. Um, but I definitely could see where, uh, someone would get into it and, and just couldn't do it because it'd be really intimidating. It's a lot of horsepower. Um, well, I've heard like, like Ty, both Ty Wolf and then and Chris Holder have, have tried them too. And Chris was telling me more of the story about it. He just said it was unreal. And I mean, the throttles were pretty touchy too, but, and your, your foot sits kind of, you don't like press with your toes, right? You got, you're basically, you're stomping on the throttle, right? Isn't it kind of the way you sit in the car? You sit different. The, the way you sit real upright, um, and the pedals they actually swing instead of a standard like accelerator pedal, which you, you press on, um, moving your foot. This is actually swinging like back and forth. It's almost like a pendulum. Oh, um, so it, it, it is quite a bit different, but you're really confined in an area, you know, so when you're belted in and the correct seat that wraps you, uh, uh, you're really confined and you, you feel real good in there. Oh. I just heard Chris just said, dude, it was crazy. Cause you're like, suddenly when you're, you're like just cruising around and, you know, even when you're idling, you're, you're idling pretty fast, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you got to get the thing going to keep it steering proper. But he says, but once you get into it, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Change there's underwear. seven or 800 horsepower, um, a lot of rubber on the ground, you know, um, uh, and running on methanol. It's, um, it is, it's a, it, it is, they're absolutely mind blowing. They are so powerful and fast, and but man, they are fun. I'd love to get back in one for sure. Oh, maybe we can do that together someday. You never know. We'll do. We'll just do it like a. We'll be like Jake Paul and stuff. We'll just have our own. That's it. Vlog. Yeah. (laughs) You should have a vlog, (laughs) dude. Can you imagine if you could back up and vlog your whole life? Oh my god. (laughs) I don't have enough memory. Stefan can. He'll be. He'll help you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I did, I was involved in drag top fuel drag boats. Um, wow. uh, a, a friend of mine that I went to school with, um, uh, you know, and those are, um, he, he was buying motors from like John force at the end of the season. And that's what would go in the boats. And, um, and then I did, um, uh, I got what else? Um, See, I, my memory. It's the age thing. It's catching up. Uh, but, you know, try doing all those. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, if you look back on all this racing and time you spent on racing tracks or 
in the sea with a boat or whatever. Can you like tell one memory that that is most memorable thing that you you've done? Maybe not the most fun thing, but the the thing that you first come up with. Uh, getting married in a cemetery on Halloween or just yeah, before Halloween. in a racing car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the show there. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah, man, I don't any one thing. Um, nothing really that pops out. Um, at me, you know, uh, um, obviously in the sprint car going out and, and qualifying for the show, um, which you have to qualify to be able to be race on the night, be able to do that on my first time ever in the car was, was, was pretty impressive. Um, other than that, really, um, in my injury, what, which stopped me from racing speedway, that was a, a you know, a two-year battle of, surgeries and and repairs and stuff so that that's still stuck um stuck in me you know but racing overall just uh as everybody says it it's in your blood <laughs> yeah how did you handle the injury that you had was it a tough time um yeah i mean the toughest part of it was not being able to race anything um uh i had um and still have uh, quite a bit of hardware in my leg and some of it taken out. Um, uh, but I had, um, seven surgeries in a year on my right leg that I broke in 12 places. Um, uh, what about so your, what about your finger? <laughs> yeah. Gnarly finger. Maybe I uh, yeah, show them on the, when I was racing go-karts, uh, oh, this was sick, man. I was, I had just put a new motor in my cart and we were at a friend's, uh, a friend's shop. Um, uh, and there's a guy, Randy Blevins that had helped Greg for years and years and, and Gary Hicks. We, um, we were at their shop. I put a motor in my cart and I was doing some test runs behind their shop and, and the thing wasn't shifting on the shifter carts. The, the shifter is right behind the steering wheel. Um, and the thing wasn't shifting. So I, I reached down along the motor, um, and that the shifting arm on the motor is right in front of the, the small sprocket on the motor. So I grabbed, accidentally grabbed the small sprocket while I was running it Shoot. and stuck my finger in there and it took it off, um, at my middle knuckle, my index finger. Oh. And at the time I was still airbrushing and doing all this paint work. So it affected, uh, my paintwork, um, airbrushing was my livelihood. That's what made my money at the time and everything. And, and, um, so that was a real difficult time learning how to airbrush again and be able to control this, this tiny little mechanism, um, in close confined area when I'm doing paintwork. But, uh, yeah, I took part of my finger off and there was a guy, um, Dan Jones, which, um, still ride sidecars once in a while. He was there and, and they dug my finger out of the, out of the chain and he took me to the hospital and I didn't have insurance at the time. So we went through a County hospital. It took four or five days before I can have the surgery. I ended up getting a pretty bad infection in my arm, started getting gangrene. Um, so they had to do a surgery to correct that first. Uh, 
And then, um, and then the surgery on my finger where they took, um, uh, did a skin graft from my leg and, and put some artificial meat <laughs> back in to build the finger up. Um, so they you know, built the finger up again. What's that? So you, you built the finger up again. So it was totally off. Well, what it was, it took everything More off less. of the bone. <laughs> oh, um, shit. It, it was like a, uh, like a, a good barbecue rib or something, you know? So it just peeled it off of the bone. Maybe my bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, when I went to the hospital, um, they couldn't do the surgery. This was like a, a Thursday or something. They just sent me home, um, with it all wrapped up in a gauze soaked in saline. And my hand was just bandaged. And they said, change this three times a day. And we're going to get a reconstructed team out here. And, and, uh, but by Monday I started having an infection in my arm. Um, so it, it took a little while, but, um, uh, it, it's still there. It, it works. And in fine high Inman style, you know, he would, he wanted to show everybody <laughs> when he had to, you know, and why not? It was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back to the Halloween thing. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. He it, it's it. not your, uh, the ugly finger no 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 it's the it's pointer. one of my yeah it's my pointer <laughs> finger <laughs> oh shit so i i got a little bit of a hook on it and, and uh-huh. you know it doesn't bend well i uh they actually put a they actually put a, a, a screw in the end of, in my fingertip and um had rubber bands going to my wrist attached to try to get the thing to bend um oh. and I remember Kelly Moran had an injury on his arm and he had the same type of thing. Uh, he went through a plate glass window um, uh, and he had his fingertips all in the same exact mechanism that I had on mine. And uh, I would change my bandages. And I remember uh, Ryan and Cody Brandt um, at the time I was, I was changing the bandage and I showed them and they were like 10 or 12. I don't know. And they're like, oh, it looks like a chewed up Tootsie Pop <laughs> <laughs> um, with the stick. Uh, but that, that's been good. It's, um, uh, I, I've had to deal with that for a while. And actually, not too long after this, within the year, I, I went over to Greg's. And I remember working, doing something on some baseboards at his house in England. And... Uh, and I had stuck my finger on a nail behind the baseboard and that thing just sprayed blood everywhere. I mean, a tiny little stream, but yeah, I, I left some of my DNA in his kitchen. <laughs> some... <laughs> oh shit. So that was in, in, uh, in the go-karts. <laughs> but today works. Okay. Uh, it's there. I, it works. Yeah, it <laughs> works. All right. Uh, but if you, if you if you take this as just another part of Kelly, there's one thing that still sticks out in my head so much about this dude is you know he when he got sick and he had some issues there, and then he later a little bit later in life he ended up he had a heart issue, which became uh, made yeah I mean he had a kind of a, a heart issue that was a, a wake up call and all sorts of stuff at the same time so he ended up. I should let him tell the story, but 
where I'm going with this is he ended up in the hospital for a full blown open heart surgery. And <laughs> the kind of guy he was is like, he says to the doctor, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, can you take pictures? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. What did the doctor yeah. say? Um, he just giggled. I, I actually, on that, um, uh, I, I had gotten sick. Um, I had been getting bronchitis every year for a couple of years and I just kept working and I never took care of it. Um, you know, I never stayed home and rested and did what I was supposed to. And the bronchitis turned into pneumonia and I still kept working and doing things. And I started having a lot of issues, uh, breathing, things like that. Um, uh, and it was so bad. I was going to the doctor and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. Um, uh, so I went for months, like I couldn't lay down to sleep, um, a lot of pressure in my chest. And we were never even thinking about heart stuff. It was all bronchitis and lungs and just thought I had a really bad cold or something, but I just kept working. I never stopped. Classic Kelly too. You know, he's like, you would never know anything's wrong with him. You can see him. I'm like, something isn't right. You okay, man? Yeah, fine. What's, what's up? <laughs> never, ever let on that there's anything wrong at all. He could be sweating bullets and everything. Get, no, everything's fine. Why? What's wrong with you? you know, kind of deal. <laughs> like, so sorry. I didn't yeah. And, and, Kelly, you know? and it's, uh, it, it, having that mentality is, is not the smartest thing, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and the story proves it. Uh, like I said, I, I, I was sick and going to the hospital and I could never find anything. And I was, out to dinner with, with my wife and, um, a very good friend and business partner here named Hugh Randolph and his wife. And I wasn't feeling real good. And they were looking at me and they're like, my wife said, me, you're turning blue. Um, and I, I just shrugged it off. You know, we ended up leaving dinner early and went home and, and I couldn't breathe very well. Um, uh, she said, I'm, I'm calling the hospital. We're going to, we're going to emergency room. Uh, and I kept saying, no, no, I'll just wait till the morning and I'll call my doctor and see what they say. Um, and I did, we waited, uh, you know, against her advice and wishes. Um, <laughs> I waited and went to bed and woke up in the morning we went to the hospital and I spent eight days. They admitted me right away. And I spent eight days in the hospital for, um, extremely low oxygen levels. Uh, so, um, they got that taken care of and released me and I felt pretty good. Um, and then started going back to the doctor with my, my, my breathing, my illness and everything. And I had gone into the doctor's office and, uh, my primary physician said, Hey, I'm going to send you over to a friend of mine. He's a cardiologist, um, that works on for the heart and everything. So they sent me over to the Hope Hospital and they did some pictures and ultrasound and and he called me right away uh, when I was on my way home and he said, you need to come back. Uh, um, and my my me and my wife went and saw him and and this doctor is the head of um, thoracic surgery, um, it's the heart doctor in Hope Hospital. Uh, and what I ended up having because I didn't take care of my bronchitis and turned into pneumonia, it turned into a viral, uh, a viral infection and in the lining around my heart. Um, 
So, uh, they, um, the next day I was on the operating table and he said, remember the doctor tell me, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to take your heart out. You're going to be on a heart and lung machine, um, for quite some time. And it's basically going to be like peeling the skin off of a grape and not damaging the grape. Um, so around your heart, you have this lining that, uh, that keeps fluid on your heart and, and protects your heart from viruses. It's called pericardial sac. And mine had gone from about the, about the thickness of like a plastic baggie saran wrap, um, uh, to of about 14 millimeters thick and it, and it adhered to my heart. So it was like an old leather football and it, my heart would fill up with blood and it couldn't pump it out. Um, and, uh, they said we, ex at the time he said, we expect it could be 10 to 16 hours. Um, and, uh, we'll keep your wife and whoever else is here updated every, every half hour or so. Um, uh, so when I went in the, in the morning for surgery, I remember getting prepped and that was about it. But at the time I would, he said, oh, you don't have to worry about it as bad as this is. Don't worry. 60% of the time I'm 70% successful. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and uh, at first um, I wasn't real concerned, even though it was a major surgery, um, you know, until he was talking about how the severity of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I said, Hey, can you, can you take my phone in and, and take pictures and, and record it while you break my ribs open? I want to use it for a ringtone <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> and, uh, and he just giggled and, and, uh, at, so did the surgery, um, uh, uh and, and very, Freak of nature. yeah, very lucky that it, that I did at that time, or they found it at the time, um, they had to cut into my heart and it kind of popped out of my chest in onto my, like kind of onto my stomach halfway out, um, because it was under so much pressure when they cut into the lining. Um, oh, shit. and, uh, and I, I've got pictures of it. It's pretty cool. You uh, have, I do. So they got pictures at his request. Yeah. Did it get the sound? Uh, no, no. <laughs> but even more surprising, when they broke my ribs open and stuff, uh, I, I think not only – it wasn't just me. I, I'm sure many people were surprised that they did find a heart. I thought it was just going to be a chunk of coal. Uh, <laughs> but they did. And uh, Every coal has a silver lining. That's right. Um, <laughs> And that was a Wednesday. And, and he said, uh, Thursday I was in recovery and he said, Hey, I didn't, I didn't record it, but will these pictures work? And he threw a bunch of pictures on my lap and, and, uh, so it's of my heart out of my, my empty chest. <laughs> um, and he said, as soon as you can walk two laps around the floor here at the hospital, we'll let you go home. And, and I, and I, work my ass off so I could start walking and get out of there. And I left on that Monday morning. I was only in for, uh, what, four days. Um, wow. actually I was putting my shoes on and, and, a, a few of the old timers, um, with me being around speedway so long and as a, from an infant, um, 
there was guys like Scott Sivage and Jan Ballard and, and um, uh, Danny Becker and all these guys that used to do things for me and, and help me out as a kid. And, and Scott Sivage, Dub Farrell and Jan Ballard were walking into the hospital to see me and I was putting my shoes on and I'm like, man, you guys are, are, are uh, just on time. I'm, I'm grabbing my bag. And I'm out of here. They're like, you just had surgery on Wednesday. <laughs> um, Full blown open heart surgery. Like, so it, it was a tough year. I was home from work for, I think, five months in total. Um, oh, and oh, fortunately, man. they held the fort down for me and, and welcomed me back with open arms. And uh, another thing that I forgot, uh, before the surgery, um, after I was admitted into the hospital for the low oxygen levels, uh, they had me on quite a bit of steroids and I was on steroids for like seven months, which is steroids are bad for you anyway. And seven months, like all the doctors that found out I was on them that long, they were like, Holy crap, that's a long time. And, but one of the side effects, uh, like my legs felt like noodles. Um, and I was going to my, 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 uh, cardiologist to my heart doctor to get a release so I can come back to work from the first incident. So when I pulled up into the parking lot, I kind of threw my truck in park and I threw the door open and my truck is lifted a bit, you know, kind of off road. I threw the door open, kind of getting out all in the same swoop and my legs didn't come with me. And I hit the ground and I broke both my arms. Oh no. Uh, so I walked in, I tried to gather up my cell phone and all my stuff. And I walked into my, my heart doctor and they had me laying on a table doing the ultrasounds. And she, the lady's like, can you scoot yourself up on the bed so I could take more pictures of your heart? And I'm like, I can't, I can't move with my arms. I fell out front. And at the time I thought I broke, I knew I broke one. The other one was just really sore. Um, I had, my hands were above my head and I told her, I think I, I, I think I hurt, you know, broken arm. And she just, Oh yeah. I showed her and they were both swollen. So I walked across the street to the hospital, walked in there and said, I, <laughs> I got hurt. Um, they did the x-rays and I broke both forearms. So they casted me up and I walked back to my heart doctor's office and finished my appointment. <laughs> and then I went home and I called everybody at work and I said, Hey guys, good news. I got a release from my heart doctor from my, uh, my first time off, you know, um, from the initial incident. And, uh, but I broke both my arms at the, ho- <laughs> the doctor's office. <laughs> like, yeah. They thought I was kidding. They sent one of them to the house. Yeah. So I had two casts on for, for, uh, a couple of months and that was difficult. Uh, but I, <laughs> I was used to having casts. I broke a lot of bones when I was racing. Um, oh, shit. So. it's like a bandaid pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like a on it. Usually they were never on as long as the doctor wanted kind of like your brother, Dave, uh, <laughs> he was always injured and we cut casts off time and time again, you know, <laughs> did you learn anything about that from all of these things did i learn anything it's okay yeah. to get hurt yeah it only hurts yeah. for a little while pain is weakness leaving the body <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean taking care of yourself like don't get too too sick too long um on 
in all reality, yes. Listen to your body. Um, uh, I now have to be very careful, um, without the lining on my heart, I have no protection from, from viruses or anything. Um, so it was a big concern with our boy was seven at the time. Um, this was January 14th was eight years now, um, with him being in school and bringing home illnesses and stuff, you know, uh, but I've been very, very lucky that I haven't, um, gotten sick enough, uh, that I had to go to the doctor because they, if I get sick, I'll end up, um, getting admitted into the hospital. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. You gotta, gotta listen up and I'm still thick headed. And luckily my wife will, um, uh, keep me in line if I get sick enough that I need to be seen or admitted. He, for the longest time, after all this hard stuff, he'd say, he'd joke around and goes, I'm all heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all heart. All right, yeah, I'm all heart. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a brutal time for sure. And I actually, when, when after my surgery, the following week, one week after getting out, I got out on Monday and I think on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right there, or even the next Monday, um, uh, Greg was going up to Northern California to do some testing, um, on the speedway bike. And, and I rode along with them and, um, and, uh, we went up there and I still had, um, the Gary Davis's place, huh? yeah, yeah, I still had all the, even the tape on my chest from taping the, the, the wound shut, you know, um, and carried the pillow with me. So when I'd start coughing, I could hold my chest together and I ended up, <laughs> don't make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit. So and your good wife let you go. Um, yeah, I, yeah, she did. She was probably ready to get him out of the house by then. <laughs> yeah. Just go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, had, if, if we talk about heart, this guy is all heart. And I mean, everything is, he's done. You can hear just your, you know, probably scratching the surface of his life with some of these things, but he's been involved in so many things. He's, you know, I mean, then you also had the, you work with the consolidated parts business too, selling with the run of the business or selling uh, exporting parts to, to Europe or uh, uh, with a company over here. I mean, the guy's got, endless knowledge of, of so many different things in daily life, let alone racing and stuff. And he's still a guy that I, it doesn't matter what I need. If I can't think of, I got to get something. It, the most recently I needed to get some glass cut for a cabinet in our kitchen. And oh. I was thinking, where should I go to get the glass? Uh, Home Depot, maybe I probably don't get there. Kelly, dude, where should I go get my glass cut? <laughs> call Kelly and Kelly's like my Google, you know, like, yeah, you know, hang on. I got, I got this guy. You can go to this dude, call this dude, call that guy. These are just the kind of things that Kelly's got. He knows he's got endless knowledge. It's just, I always go to him first. If he doesn't know, then I really got to research. Oh. So it's like, maybe it's bad because I, you know, <laughs> I go to him before I don't look at it up myself. But uh, the dude is just, um, he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. And he is all heart because today he runs industry racing, the speedway. Kelly's, you know, he's a, now he's a promoter as well as many other things of running the business here with that specialized and, and then being a family man and, and taking care of his, his kid too, who's, uh, you know, he's, he's 
pretty much your right hand man. He's right there to help you with all sorts of stuff. They go and they go desert riding and they do. He's he seems to find time for everything. I don't know how he does it, but he does. That's and cool. nowadays, I mean, promoting American Speedway is not in the greatest of situations in in the U.S. But honestly, without Kelly, I can I can say myself that I mean I don't really know what the status would be for Southern California Speedway. You know, it's without this guy and everyone will say the same. I mean, he's, he's mixed and brought in so many people from different industries and has a great contact with even the people from monster. I mean, uh, you name it, radio stations at all. He's using all of his networks of people and, and companies to, to keep the sport alive and do as much as he can working with the tools that he's got, you know, and, it's not an it's not an easy task whatsoever, but um, wow. more recently he's doing things for the kids. He's probably one of the greatest supporters of the kids projects with the with the junior speedway, to say the least. And his gumball rally that he promotes, and then he also runs uh, once a year. I mean, he he's, he tends to bring in races like old timer events to bring back the old names to you know give everybody a a taste of what it used to be like, and gets all these great legends together on one night at, at the track you know which is it doesn't happen very often i think that nearly every time he has this event all these guys go away just like thanking kelly because they probably some of them probably don't even see each other for years at a time or even absolutely. decades right absolutely so kelly managed to bring all these people together on one night which you know you've seen these things happen in other sports and all around but they they come and they think they're, they're so thankful that he has this race because suddenly they come back to the sport and some of them stay in the sport then at least come back time and time again or, or support in some way. And more recently over the recent years with the sad loss of Connor Penhall, like Bruce Penhall's son, who was tragically killed in, a, in a, an accident on the road, Kelly created a memorial event uh, together with Bruce um, that they have once a year, the Connor Cup where they, uh, they honor Connor Penhall and, and it becomes pretty prestigious race and gets down and dirty. You know, everybody wants to win. It is, it's, uh, it, it is, um, it is a very important, it's an important event to myself and Bruce and Lori and McKenzie and Ryan and Devin, you know, the whole Penhall family, uh, uh, and what it has, uh, done, we've run three years now and it's our opening night race. Um, uh, it, it probably the toughest thing is, is telling some of these great riders that want to ride it, that they can't, um, the, the whole idea of the race and, and Connor, um, was such a young and kind of, uh, the guy just had this zest for life, you know, um, always fun to be around and stuff. And, and, uh, he was a huge advocate for the youth riders. And he used to say, just let the kids ride, man. Um, you know, so, uh, the Connor Penhall Memorial cup is, um, that's what we want to, uh, kind of follow. Um, uh, we want the younger riders, um, first, we have a lot of riders that are just absolutely blistering fast still, um, here that are, uh, getting of age, I guess you could say, 
Um, but the Connor cup, uh, um, it is, I'll go through the youngest riders first. Um, you know, and then we go through and put together a good program. And then obviously we have kids and everything. And, and we have a lot of great support. Um, a lot of, you know, celebrities come, uh, it's our opening night. It's a great event. Troy Lee, um, when Bruce and myself were talking about it. And at the time, my promoting partner, partner, uh, Carol Perez, um, you know, she was all gung ho about anything like this for future of American Speedway. And, and she really liked the, the, uh, the idea of this event for Connor. Um, and Bruce is extremely, um, hands-on involved along with, uh, uh, a lot of the other people at the, the Connor Penhall, his company, uh, Connor concrete, um, in putting this event together and Troy Lee, uh, you know, for that, for the, the first place trophy oddball trophies or something memorable, memorable has always been really important to me. Um, uh, not just a regular trophy. And, um, so when me and Bruce were talking about it, I, I had said, let's, let's go to Troy and have them do a gold plated trophy. Um, and I'll have one of our, uh, one of my companies make a big pedestal, a stand for it. And, and actually, um, uh, one, of one of our early childhood friends is Sean Yulo, um, has made this pedestal stand for me that this helmet goes in. It's a great display case. I mean, it's like a, it's a $2,500 trophy, the value of this thing alone. And, and, uh, we've done three of them and Billy Gennaro has won all three. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, and, uh, which says, um, obviously says a lot about Billy and his riding. We've had some, some good competition, but, and it's going to be even tougher for him this year, um, uh, with a few of the riders. And I know, um, I know these young ones are looking at that trophy and they want to take it home this year. That's for sure. It's a, it's a super great event, um, for, uh, in support of Connor to bring the awareness, of drunk driving, um, and, uh, being, being cautious and be aware of, uh, the freeway construction workers, which Connor was working on the freeway, just miles actually from, from my racetrack and, uh, and, and was tragically struck by a drunk driver that went through, um, some, uh, less than, than, uh, sufficient barriers. And, and so it was horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, and when we do this race, it's, it's, uh, to make sure people are aware of, of that and the dangers of it, you know, um, uh, be aware of the cone zone. Um, exactly. I remember I had this conversation with Bruce and, uh, he, he explained it to me too about how different it is in the U S compared to maybe even Europe. And once he says, I like the way they do things in Europe and the way they, they block, you know, where there's construction, that's always a lot of road signs and stuff, slowing people down. Maybe they have even more cones or something to that nature. But here it just feels like he said, they just, they don't pay attention to that enough. And it just ends up being, uh, yeah, obviously things like this can happen. And how does it happen? Why, how can that possibly happen in this circumstance with what happened to Connor, you know? So like you said, it does raise awareness. And I hope that this is, feeding on to the cities and to the, you know, to the, to the traffic people and, and 
road safety and drunk driving and everything yeah. else that I might be missing out here. It's a terrible shame, but I, you know, we, we make sure it's not a sad event. Everybody, um, loves being there. It's, uh, it, it's been very successful. Um, and we're, we're, we're getting the word out, you know, one race at a time. Um, yeah. and, and we'll keep doing it for Connor. You know, he would, um, I think he's, uh, watching and, and giggling, um, with his typical Connor snicker and some type of snide remark, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's great. It's, it's an honor to be able to do it and, and being friends with, with Bruce, with Penhall uh, so long and him being a hero to us as kids and stuff and to, uh, work alongside him on an event like this. It's so important to, uh, the entire Penn Hall family and myself, uh, and, and everybody at, at industry speedway at the grand it's, um, it's just quite an honor. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. That, as well as the gumball rally, the kids race. I mean, you, you promote the U S national championship around here. I mean, we're, you know, speedway can go on and on with the stuff you guys do. Industry speedway is rad because you guys, that, that facility is where the setting of it, first of all, it's up on a hill. It's kind of been like a, a horse or uh, how would you describe it? It's, um, yeah. Originally built as a horse arena. Okay. Gotcha. So you have like a roof over the whole thing yeah. yet. It's opened. On the, on the side so you can see through and you get you guys get like sickening sunsets in there some of the pictures i oh, see yeah. from the it's, afternoons it's amazing before you go into a race night are just you know it's like fire red burning in the background where the sun's going down and he's got you know kelly's got in the middle they've got the the big screens too so you can watch the races if they're video on the night and he's got a massive american flag in the background so you you really feel all american when you're there you know <laughs> so wow. it's uh it's a really special place. And I think, you know, even James Easter from travel plus over in England, he puts together tours over here every year to bring groups of people to come and watch races and not every year, but he's been doing yeah. that. And, and those, he is this year again, which is rad. You know, I mean, yeah. people are coming and they want to go to industry because they're, first of all, I mean, it never rains in California, but uh, you know, <laughs> at least you get, you know, protection from the sun in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The grandstands are under the roof. Um, it's a, it's an amazing facility that even locals up in that area don't realize what we do. Um, and we'll, we'll slowly get them. We'll hook them, you know, um, uh, it's, it has, they give me a golden ticket to do what I want there with Speedway and they're in full support. Um, uh, uh, you know, my, my promoting partner at the time, uh, Carol Perez, which passed away, unfortunately, um, and unexpectedly a little over a year ago, um, she was standing, she was right next to me. She was the perfect one. Um, uh, she was very, uh, you know, the visual aspect of it, uh, walking into the arena for the fans, um, as well as the riders and mechanics was very important. Um, you know, so we, we work very well together, uh, and, and almost didn't even need to talk about things. You know, if I was, if I was going to do something or make something happen there, it would be the same that she would do or want and vice versa. She'd be up in the front and say, Hey, I'm doing this tonight for the fans. And it would be something that I would, would have done or wanted to do, you know? And, uh, and she, she knows the state even not coming out of the industry or speedway or racing, 
um, for that matter, she knew the state of American Speedway and the, the, you know, how well it was um, doing in the 80s and into the 90s, um, uh, you know, and and it, it just started taking a downward turn, I guess you could say, and losing riders and, um, for, for quite a few reasons, but she was right there and said, we got to do this for, for the future of the sport. They, they were behind me and still to the day, um, it's not about the money and, and how much money can we make at the front gate? It's, um, the questions are, what's this going to do for the sport? Will it help the riders? Hmm. So it is, it is something else to be able to work with them. And I am very, very fortunate. Um, uh, a beautiful facility um, that the fans are just in awe when they leave. And we just try to treat the riders um, like you would want to be treated. You know, I, when I, when I stage events, um, no matter what it is, uh, anything I do, I always take into consideration the rider walking in if I, um, you know, how are they going to feel and how can it benefit them? Or, uh, and it's a matter of running as everything as fair as we can, um, with printed rules, um, with a safe and really good racetrack. Um, we put a lot of races on during the night. The racetrack is built almost every week. It goes in, um, and, and my partner, Jose, which does the track, he literally, we usually have events in the arena on weekends, whether it's, they might be filming TV up there, or they might have a rodeo going, or they might have dog shows or that's all in the same, the same arena. Right, yeah. Same wow. Um, the Taekwondo, uh, world championships, the Western leg of it is in the arena. Um, I mean, all sorts of stuff on weekends and it's booked for years. Uh, we, so come Wednesday night, uh, these other shows are still kind of, uh, unloading on Monday, you know, they're packing their stuff up leaving cause they had a Saturday, Sunday show. Um, we don't even get in to be able to build a track until Monday night or Tuesday. So got to get a wall up, get the starting gates up, um, uh, and start to, to build a racetrack that is good and safe. Um, so is the dirt that's there, that's always there. The dirt's always there, but every week it's almost every week. So out of like, uh, you know, out of 15 nights, 12 nights, it got ripped up and it could be eight inches deep of like horse fluff, they call it, or a rodeo arena. So super soft and we got to go in and level it out and pack it uh, water it, pack it, cut it, and then start creating this racetrack. And, and he does it in sometimes as little as about 30 hours. Um, I mean, there's nights that he just doesn't sleep. He'll be on the tractor all the way through the night and people will show up on Wednesday and he's out on the tractor just doing the final grooming. What's cause he never even left, you know? Um, and, uh, and he wants to provide the best racetrack so we can pass it at the end of the night and safe. Um, and we do, we, we, um, uh, as long as we have good passing at the end of the night, we'll have a lot of races. I'm happy. 
you know, if, if there's no passing through the night and especially at the end of the night, it's just a, just a slick racetrack. It's a gate and go and, and there's no reason for that. Fans aren't going to keep coming back. Um, yeah, Jose sounds like the American version of Marek Cislak from Poland. He's, the, you know, the, yeah, he's not only the, the, the ever successful Polish team manager, but probably the, one of the best track builders around for, for Polish speedway to begin with. So I'm always speaking highly of him. So like you yeah, said, when you see you guys got to do that every week and make a racetrack and, and probably 99.9% of the time you, you do just that. It, it is. It, it's so quick. And, and a lot of people don't even know that, that this track gets built, um, uh, and produces the best racing. Um, it gets built in a day and a half. Uh, what, where's the best place for people to check out, YouTube clips of this or something for racing. Cause it literally is true. I've seen some unreal racing there and I've seen, I saw a great race. Was it last year with Brock nickel when he went around the outside of Billy Janeiro? For, oh yeah. From last to first. Like, um, I mean, it's uh, Billy Janeiro doesn't get past very much, especially in industry. Right. Gotcha. If ever. And then this one night Brock just sends, sends it right. And yeah. Catches Billy off guard slightly or just whatever line didn't go right. And it, probably one of the best races I've seen in American Speedway for, for a long, long time. Absolutely. So it just shows you what's available there. If you're willing to stick your wheel in it and stay committed for four laps, which Brock did. And, yeah. uh, it's cool. So, I mean, that, that racetrack is, is, uh, fabulous. So anyway, it's, uh, our website, industryracing.com. You can go on there and there's some links to our live stream, which we also, we do a live webcast, of our racing every night and it's free to spectators around the world. So it's, it's kind of is interesting to see where people are viewing from. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, doesn't it hurt your fan base here? You know, the tr- the fans are going to be there that, that support Speedway, you know, if they, if they can't make it because of one reason or another, they'll, you know, fortunately they can log onto the computer and watch it live. And it's a, um, it's a great production. Um, and, uh, but we get a huge amount of followers that watch live out of Poland, um, Sweden, England, uh, some of our biggest stuff. And when I held the, the, the monster energy, the world speedway invitationals mm-hmm. in 2012 and 13, which I am again, working on, on, uh, a future one. Um, Ooh, that's good news that, um, we had 112,000 people watching that um, on the live stream. On the live stream, and those are numbers that we can go to a big corporate company and say, "Look at this! You have to be involved with it." You know, um, how many people were there for those two events? Take uh, the first event for in particular. Uh, there was about 6,500, um, which our arena only holds 4,200 people. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we had 6,500 spectators and then we had everybody in the VIP section that we, that we created with monster and, um, uh, and stacked lineup too. Yeah. Um, it it was, it was something else. It was absolutely something else. Um, and I was very fortunate, uh, to, with help from like yourself, Billy Hamill, which, Myself and Billy Hamill, and and at the time a guy Bruce Sarenstrom from Monster, um, which now works, uh, is the manager of Kawasaki's Supercross team. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, we had uh, put this whole thing together um, for American Speedway and, and to help get the exposure out there. And it, it was a home run. You know, we had, I think, seven magazines here that printed the, the stories, um, you know, like Racer X did seven full page color, uh, you know, a story in their magazine. And I couldn't afford that, um, to pay for that. Uh, you know, that would be so expensive. Um, and it's, it's, uh, hopefully it'll happen again. I was, I was, um, just at monster and, and it takes a lot, um, because of it being during the off season, uh, you know, so many of the, the European based riders and we want the best riders that are available. Um, we want the guys that fans here only get to watch on YouTube or read about, you know, so when they come here, um, it, it is something really special. So it, it costs a lot to do. Um, it costs me more to put that one race on than it does for the whole season. Uh, but with the help from, these great companies like, like, um, monster and, and Joe Parsons and, uh, stuff like this would not even, it couldn't even be a thought, you know? So well, think about some of the other promoters that wanted to, to jump in on this too, because they can see the, the, the notoriety that it gets and the amount of riders that were calling that wanted a place in the program that wanted to be a part of this event was insane. You know, I mean, each, he did it, he only did it for two years but it's been on the back burners now, like going to go again, going to go again. And the people are still asking about the monster invitational. Is it coming back? You know, when is that going to happen? How's it going to be? And how do I get a spot in the, in the program? I want to be a part of this. So, which is great. Yeah. Know? I still get calls from Europe, from some of the riders, you know? Um, uh, so we're very lucky, you know, we, we try to treat the riders, um, with absolutely utmost respect, um, and, and give them a fun little vacation. You know, um, we had one night where, uh, you know, our, our, our first year that we actually had to rip the track up the night before. Um, and then we had a storm come in where there was fog and moisture and, and it made the track as you probably remember how grippy and, and how cold it was that night. It was, it was probably the coldest it's ever been. Um, and the track was so difficult. It was, it, it was a tough, um, it was a, it was a tough night on that aspect, you know, to have the best riders in the world, um, against the best riders here, that opportunity. And, and we had a track that was so difficult to ride. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we told everybody, oh, it'd be nice and hard and slick. It'd be no problem at all. And it turned out to be one of the most gnarly tracks ever. Huh? <laughs> it was, I mean, and we, you know, it was so cold. Though. Fortunately, everybody got through it. Uh, and, and we had some insane races. The end of the night, it was great. The second year was even better. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, with, with, uh, Darcy and Antonio and, and, uh, hands and Scotty Nichols and stuff, they put on some, um, uh, races, you know, with, with magic and Dudek and yeah. that, that people here, all those guys are superstars to everybody here at the fan, even to the writers here, they were just in awe, you know, that they were even here racing. Uh, Let alone lining up next to them in the, at the starting line, like, Whoa, <laughs> absolutely. So hopefully, and then like you had mentioned the gumball rally, um, uh, 
you know, we have a, the gumball rally for the junior speedway, um, uh, kids. We have the junior speedway, the silver cup championship, which is an FIM AMA and the only one, um, in the States, uh, kind of modeled after the gold cup, <coughs> um, which is a, a really good event, but the gumball rally is a special race, um, uh, for, for a lot of people don't know the history of it. Um, it was first staged out at Ken Maley's ranch, um, back in 1983. Um, and it was the, the, the whole, um, the, the works from a guy, Kelsey Gordon's father, um, John Gordon and Bill Feltz, uh, Bill Feltz's kid was racing, um, Billy and, uh, Kelsey Gordon, and they wanted a race, a big, meaningful race for just the kids. You know, back at that time, you guys were, were the sideshow. You would get one race, you know, at intermission, you know, at Costa Mesa or San Bernardino or something. You know? <laughs> so they wanted to have this special event. And John Gordon's favorite movie at the time was the gumball rally. Let's call it the gumball rally. It's fitting. And they got a gumball machine for the trophy and, um, and really the rest is history. And, and, uh, I'll actually provide a, a pretty good photo of the second year lined up. And I remember being there and, uh, myself, um, you, uh, Bobby Cody, um, uh, Marshall Topping, Jordan Duncan, um, uh, Cameron Evans, maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, there was, you know, Billy Hamill. Um, uh, but there was a, I've got a few photos. Ken, as you can remember, used to have some guard geese. (laughs) And if you got around them, these geese would chase you and and bite at you, you know? (laughs) And as kids, I remember us taunting these geese and like we would wait for them. Yeah. Wait for the next person to come up and see who's going to run from the geese, you know, and I've got some good pictures after the gumball. Everybody used to go up to Ken's little pool and all the kids would play in the pool and the adults would have some drinks and burn hot dogs for dinner. And, uh, um, so I, I didn't ride in any, any of the gumballs. Um, but I was there, um, with, uh, with you or Jordan or Bobby Cody or any of the, you know, Finch and, um, which now is Jesse Carden and, uh, uh, Warren Wilson, which is now helping and, and donates to the, to the event. Um, it went for several years and, and then it had stopped. And then Billy Hamill actually kind of, uh, revitalized it, you know, and, and started staging again at the old Paris raceway. And, mm-hmm. and I actually came in and started helping him and getting people to donate stuff for gift bags. And, and it has just taken off like crazy. So it's a weekend event for the kids. Um, we get the amount of support we get and donations. Um, I get product from anybody and everybody to give to these, these kids, you know, I, I put, usually it's about 50 gift bags together. And there is some years that these gift bags are worth, they've been worth thousand or $1,500, you know, with all the gear and cash. Um, 
My kids come home with money from the Bill Maher rally. Yeah, it's it, it wasn't like that back then. I remember no, and, I remember packing gift bags, you know, uh, for the gumball rally or the junior nationals. And it had like a a vans off the wall sticker and a can of justice brothers chain lube, um, and probably some puff and taco coupons or something. That was it. But the kids loved it, you know, um, yeah. And now that the, the gift bags, it is a full job just dealing with that. Um, we, we have a tremendous amount of support from uh, other riders, from fans, from sponsors. I don't, I don't ask for it. Um, we have a few guys that have, j- they go online, social media and say, Hey, I'm sending you a hundred dollars for the kids. Um, and, and I've collected $10,000. Um, and it's to run this event, you know, that, the industry doesn't charge me to run the event for the kids. Um, so it, it helps pay for the, the, the event itself. And, um, it gives them a purse to ride for and whatever I can't get donated in, in goodies, I go out and buy stuff. Uh, so people out there can donate, they can PayPal me every single bit of it, um, goes to these kids. And you know, what's rad. I mean, I've had numerous conversations with Kelly about this and I, every year I, I, end up we end up in a, a quick talk over something and say Kelly you should start a, an account a fund and start doing this and all this money that keeps coming in he always gives money back to the all the money gets spread out to all the kids after the race and I'm like man this is not a good thing because now my kids think that they're going to get paid to go race it right so they're learning early that you get paid to do this yeah but in the end I have so much respect for Kelly because every time I say you got to start an account and get some of this money in and then you can have it, you know, have delegate some of this money to certain things, maybe have a big party at the end of the year or do this, do that. But, you know, this guy doesn't want anybody to feel like he's ever taking anything from it. And this is my opinion, but if he takes all this money and he's got to do it, then you got to have paperwork. There's always going to be somebody, you know, sadly in the world, the, the envious people out there, that take it a little bit too far. They think that there's going to be some money in May, but nobody has any idea, even if he should be paid to put this race on, because if you understood the amount of time, effort, money, and, you know, time away from his own family, let alone his businesses that he's were involved in, that this guy puts in, it's crazy. But he takes all that money that comes in and either buys something that he knows is going to be good for the kids that they, they can use, that they need, or he just breaks up all the money and splits it up into the envelope. So it's distributed throughout the, throughout the group in some way. So it's it's crazy what he's doing. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And this gumball rally event, which I, I got to do quite a few of them as a kid growing up too. When my dad took over running the speedway for years and then, and then seeing what they've brought back now, I, I, I want to be a kid again. I want one of those goodie bags. <laughs> Everybody wants to go to the gumball rally. And I swear that those kids, you shouldn't swear by the way. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Huh? I mean, these kids will do anything to win a gumball machine. The winner of the, of the event of each class, yep. they win a gumball machine filled with oh. gumballs. And that gumball machine is, seems like it's worth a ton of gold. It is. You There's something thing. special about it. There know? is. Uh, Sebastian Palmisi, the kid, has won the junior championships and whatever. The only thing he hasn't won is the gumball rally. And, and before he turns 16, he's, i got to win a gumball. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it is, you know. And, it's and intense. His, Sebastian's 
really his biggest competition um, uh, is young Colton Hicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colton now has moved into the 500s. That's right. Um, but yeah, that, that gumball machine, uh, that is, that is something that every kid wants, you know, um, uh, the event is just something else. Like I said, the people that, that donate, they know that every penny that is given to this event, um, or they hand me, you know, just at the, the races last weekend, I'm there. And I walked out of there with like $800 in cash. And it's people that just came up and said, here, this is for the kids. Um, they know that every cent of that, uh, is, is going, um, towards either prize money or gifts for them or, you know, things for the event. Um, it's absolutely a hundred percent for them. And, and we get, I'm very fortunate with the people that I've met in the, in Speedway and everything. I get people, um, from Europe that donate that will PayPal me money. Um, uh, you know, Dave Parker from Gilman, um, Australia. from in Australia, uh, he has already paid, um, and it's all in support of the kids, you know, these give them the really cool event, uh, that they deserve, you know, uh, and we usually have 40 to 50 kids from junior speedway and the peewees and, and, um, uh, the weekend kicks off with, uh, you know, awards and a dinner on Friday night and Saturday night. Um, uh, we have the big kids gumball rally, which all the, the fast, like the division one racers actually donate their prize money, um, to industry. So we can run the event for the kids, um, at no cost. Uh, it's a free event for spectators. Um, we just want to do something special for the kids, you know, and and this race, uh, is really something else, um, to me, because of being there at the first one, um, and then all the way through and then jumping on board and helping Billy Hamill when he fortunately got it going again. And, and, and it just gets better and better every year. It's, it's a super fun weekend. The kids, uh, the kids leave there, um, they're playing in the pits and, and then racing and then playing afterwards. And, and, uh, it's almost like there's tears in their eyes when the whole event's over on the Sunday afternoon, and they got to go home and it's all finished because it's, it's like a year long process to build up to the gumball from yeah. the time that it stops. And it's so much that goes into that one day for the kids. Right. And then yeah. that day is over and I can remember it myself, but then when the day is over and everyone has time to leave, right. It's, it's a Sunday afternoon and everyone's got to go to school on Monday. The kids do everyone's back to work. And you can just see the kids are like, man, the gumball's done. It's like till next year. It's almost like it, all of it sudden it's an anticlimax. It's over with just like that. And they got to go home and then start planning. But even my son, Bill, who doesn't ride a speedway bike all year long, decided to go practice last week yeah. at Steve Evans's race, take a few laps because the gumball's coming up. So that's yeah. the only one race he does a year is the gumball rally. And then he doesn't want to ride anymore. But I think he just does it for the good, the goodie bag. Maybe. Hey, yeah, whatever. He's still in gumball rally. Uh, it's a weekend. The actual race is on March 11th. Um, uh, it's March 10th and 11th weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a Sunday afternoon at noontime. We, you know, I, I really try to get, make sure that the first division riders from the night before we try to have them there in the pits and, you know, just patting the kids on the butt and letting them know, we're here to support you. We believe in your dreams. This is a great sport to be in. Amen. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the, I think the thing that would top it off for me is it's a free event for spectators and, uh, you know, as unimportant, um, as some spectators think the event is on a Sunday afternoon, um, like Greg was saying, it's, this is a race that every junior speedway rider and their, their families are talking about all year long. And I would be over the moon if we had, uh, 500 people in the grandstands to cheer them on. You know, we, we announce it, we webcast it, we treat it like there's a thousand people in there. Um, so this uh, one will also be live stream or yeah, absolutely. So, okay. You guys put this in your <laughs> calendar for sure. You know, the, the March the 10th and yeah, uh, just go on our, our website industry racing and, and we are on live stream throughout the year. Um, and you'll, you'll see some really good races that the gumball the, our opening night is the Connor Penn hall Memorial cup, um, which this is the fourth annual, um, we have a, a special race called the Junior Kurtz Memorial Cup. Um, uh, we have an AMA National Round. Um, we have the Junior Speedway Silver Cup. Uh, we have the, this year will be the 43rd or 44th annual California State Championship, which finishes off our season. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's a great it's a great year. It's a great schedule. Um, I wish we could do more. Um, we run basically during the summer when school's out, uh, because of the area that we're in, um, which is good, you know, and hopefully it'll, uh, hopefully it'll just slowly keep improving. I got to keep working my butt off to build American speedway back and make it the cool sport. We have a lot of other entertainment and motorsports to compete against, um, for, to lure, riders you know there's no practice tracks i don't uh you know there's one that opened up last year and and it's been great uh it's been years since we even had a practice track so one that's open like five six days a week or exactly and i don't you can do all you want there you know guys talking about building american speedway and i'm doing this for and it's great for the sport nothing's gonna nothing's going to do anything until there's a place for kids and young guys to go out there and learn how to skip that bike around, you know, um, motocross, we can, you can go and ride five days a week within an hour from here. Um, and there's shops everywhere. Uh, fortunately we've got Bill Cody that has a shop and, and now Billy Hamill opened up his shop in Northern California, um, which will be a huge asset. Uh, but not having a practice track, it's just like we're spinning our wheels in mud, you know, and, and milestone. And now I have a second track that's being built right now at Paris Auto Speedway. Yeah, this um, is your new project, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, Want to make a... Just one more thing for Kelly to do. Yeah. Make a place to um, that kids can go ride and it's affordable. Um, and we want to actually have races there. Uh and then I'm not sure if you even saw the release this week online, but there's also a third track in the works, which is um, uh, actually pretty close to us. And that's a whole motorsports facility. Um, so as long as, as long as we have some practice tracks and guys can go somewhere to learn, um, the sport will start to grow, but it's going to take a number of years, um, get the young kids involved and stay in here. Um, 
you know, I'm in support of everybody that has their dreams and, you know, Brock and, and Gino and any of these guys that want to go to Europe and Luke and stuff, I'm a hundred percent behind them. Um, I just think they should always come back. Uh, absolutely. Like the old days, like we always, when we took off, we always had to come back at least once to, actually, I think it was two times a year Yeah. and the national. So I think that's important too, for guys like Luke and the ones that are going to go there, that if they're, when they make that move, they should have to come home and, and come compete. And I think they all want to, they need to come back and keep their feet. They do. Them. And it's just, you know, with uh, speedway in, in Europe or England or, you know, it's obviously uh, a lot different than it was back then too, where sure. promoters had to, cover that cost, that expense. And not only of them missing any meetings and at their, their, with their club, but the flights and equipment. So it is difficult, but that, I think that's important. It's, uh, um, it, you know, it's important that they don't get sent off, uh, too early. Um, uh, you know, we American Speedway needs these young superstars, uh, for it to flourish. Um, you know, if we, if we build the tracks and have the, these young riders that put on exciting races and people want to come see and stuff, uh, we, we've got to have it. We don't, we don't have the amount of riders right now to ship everybody off. Uh, and it not hurt us severely here when I was riding. And when you were here, you know, um, if a couple of guys left to Europe, it didn't hurt the nightly program. There was always, there was another guy that was as mm. fast yeah. um, filling that spot. You I know? was happy to see that guy go. Cause now he got a shot. <laughs> yeah. Where now it is, um, it's difficult to get 16 fast, like good D one riders together on a night, on a weekly night, you know? Uh, uh, but I'm in, I'm, I'm in, complete support of anybody in their dreams. You know, I, obviously I, I helped and, and you came on board with getting Sebastian Colton into the 250 world championships. And that's been a, uh, a year and a half in the works, you know, just, um, before the event, you know, a little over a year. Uh, and, um, if they want to do it, I'll be there for them, you know? Yeah. Likewise, we're the same. So it's like all the stuff when, when you brought that on last year and, and we, uh, finally managed to put it together, it worked out awesome right and now it's you can see the snowball effect and now it's like the cool thing for all of us is people are calling us and going how, how can we be a part of this yeah. the guys at the races they want to be in the team so everything you're doing and what's happening that now and when i'm hearing about these other two projects that are in, in the making it just says that american speedway is is on the up there are there is light at the end of the tunnel so even even in, in sweden background of the team i'm riding for this year um they have even expressed numerous times about sending some of the riders from their team, the younger riders over here to, to practice now in this time of the year, where can they go? Can they go to the industry? Can they go to Costa Mesa or whatever? Or, and I said, well, you know, you have, obviously you have Paris where they can practice and you have milestone, which is open five, six days a week, yeah. which is great. You can just go out there for, you know, you pay your 30 bucks and you can go ride all day long and they water and grade the track periodically. And, and uh, it's awesome. But then they can get out of here, they get some practice in, they get a little sunshine, and they can ride virtually every day. So it's the perfect warm-up to the start of the season, and you don't start off just trying to blow the cobwebs. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, practice. I mean, the more time on the seat, the better, you know. Totally. Just laps after laps after laps. And even my kids are 
now putting together thanks to um, uh, Travis Horn family and of course uh, and Owen Williams family too the, those guys they've all come together with some ideas to promote the gumball rally yeah, now awesome. they're doing now they're doing some really cool little things for Valentine's Day for the for their kids schools they want to try to invite kids and families from their schools in different areas to to come to the gumball because it's a free admission day come and just check it out support it buy a hot dog donate some money or buy some merchandise and just maybe get your kids involved in riding speedway too absolutely it's uh it's something else it's a uh, a great event everybody looks forward to it kelly we're coming to the point in the podcast here where we normally we have 45 seconds that you can answer like we could rapid fire questions at you or I don't know. Maybe Stefan has something in mind. Uh-huh. No. We tend to, we tend to, as Dane says, wing it <laughs> when it comes to forty-five seconds. But I, unless Stefan has an idea or something, because he throws random stuff on me sometimes, and I'm like, okay. Sometimes I can, uh, or if you can just tell us something that you haven't told us, or that people doesn't know about you in forty-five seconds. Cool. Um Wow. Uh, I mean, I know I have one thing here that always strikes me. I don't know if you want to elaborate, but I mean, you've done so many rad things in your life and you were so creative. You've been an artist, you've been a racer, you've, you're running businesses, import, export, everything. But in high school, you were also into ceramics. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> you know, pottery made, made vases and some uh, is this on 45 yeah. seconds yeah oh yeah I, I, was that was something yeah, else wait, wait. so you were in this round did you make you made like flower pots and stuff and yeah and and statues and and uh yeah quite a few different um uh useful items you know <laughs> i mean is there anything you haven't done well there's plenty that i haven't done yeah <laughs> there is actually i haven't been to prison uh. <laughs> Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, have you have you made like a, a trophy or out of uh, out of the pottery things? <laughs> you could probably call them trophies. I've seen some of the trophies. Yeah, yeah, they were trophies to me. That's for sure. Um, uh, that was in high school. You know, that was a long time ago. I don't have much memory um, uh, from that. <laughs> uh, Trophies have always been a, a big, important part of, of racing and anything that I've done. <laughs> it's all about winning. That's right. Oh, that's cool. Wing it. <laughs> wing it. Wing yeah. it. They were winning today. So. <laughs> uh, hey, Kelly, you know, we thank you for taking your time on a busy day like this, sitting in your office at Specialized Coatings here and sharing some of your awesome memories and, you know, emotional ones too, obviously periodically so for this press on this podcast it's it means a lot right Stefan oh yes it's perfect no I'm super excited it's a it's an awesome thing that you guys are doing and and uh I listen I I listen to them all they're they're really cool and I think it's uh it's something different and good for the fans and and uh this is just going to take off like crazy we sure hope so. And we hope that we're going to be able to talk to you more because you can see that these things can go on and on and on and we can, more stories come up and 
what you're doing for American Speedway. Obviously, this is my life too. And, and Stefan, this we've pretty much, he's a Speedway nut, even whether he knows it or not. He's a complete great fan. Getting it always comes, always comes back to the nuts. But <laughs> nice. Anyway. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, uh, anytime. So nice. And thank you for listening. And be sure to listen up next week again. Uh, and and we will uh, see you at Podbean, iTunes, Acast. Give us a follow and like and preview and review us. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook. And see you next time. You got it. Next week we got a really cool episode with Luke Becker. Talking oh, yeah. about the American future. This is a, I managed to catch up with him in a recent secret training session here and uh, we had a good chat. So um, there's a lot in the making for this kid too. So uh, yeah, tune in next week. It'll be tune good. Next week. Good. Peace out everybody. Remember, grin to win, keep it sideways. Eat some wheelies. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah, today is a new day. Let's season now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, share my story with you. Inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live. I keep episodes on replay. Hey, Real 45. Yeah, Real 45. Show them how we do it, man. Yeah.